Welcome to the Powering Independence Podcast, insights and ideas for RIAs presented by Dynasty Financial Partners, a podcast dedicated to sharing some of the best practices, fresh thinking, and new perspectives in the independent wealth management industry. Your hosts for today's episode are Ed Friedman, Director at Dynasty Financial Partners, and Gordon Ross, Director at Dynasty Financial Partners. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Powering Independence podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Ross. I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Freeman from Dynasty Financial Partners. Today's podcast is going to center on technology. Uh, and we're looking to answer a few key questions in what is perhaps one of the most interesting and most evolving areas of the wealth management industry today. The key questions we're looking to answer here is how are leading firms in the industry thinking about technology? What does a superior technology infrastructure look like? We're also looking to talk about why is having the best technology important in today's world? There's many firms within this industry that have uh, been very successful and have grown substantially without having perhaps the most optimal technology infrastructure. Is this important going forward and what does that look like? And then we're also going to talk about how do firms approach driving change within their own organizations? Um, How do firms drive adoption of new technology and how do they manage those projects? To help answer these questions, we're joined by two guests who have first-hand experience in this area. The first is Dynasty's Chief Technology Officer, Paul Metzger, who works with Dynasty Network firms to build a customized technology platform that fits their needs. The second guest is Brian Schulte, the Information Systems Senior Manager at Geller Advisors. Geller Advisors is a multifamily office based in New York, and they've devoted an awful lot of time and resources in recent years to modernizing their technology infrastructure. Both guests are, are great examples of people who have lived and breathed technology transformation in recent years, and we're very uh, happy and thankful to have them here today. Let's get straight to the questions. So, Paul, let's start with yourself. Thank you for very much for being here. Uh, why don't you start by walking us through your role at Dynasty and, and the work you do on a daily basis with network firms? Sure. Um, so, yeah, Paul Metzger, I'm the CTO at, at Dynasty. I've been at Dynasty for uh, just about five years. Um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, I'm engaged with all things technology uh, across our 50-member uh, um, network of uh, partner independent RIAs. Um, and, you know, anything to do with technology and how do we use technology to optimize the operations, the end client experience, the investment process, all aspects of running a successful RIA. Um, so, you know, specifically that gets into their CRM platform, um, you know, their day-to-day operating platform, their investment tools, um, you know, all aspects of running a successful RIA. Great. Thank you. So, start off with a question, then we can bring Brian into this conversation. But, Paul, I'd be interested to hear, you've, you've worked many years in the industry, particularly focusing on technology within wealth management. Give us a little bit of insight in what you've seen over those years. Like, how has technology in this industry transformed, like, comparing, you know, uh, several years ago to today? Sure, yeah, that's a, that's a great question because this is a very exciting time in, 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 in this space. Um, you know, traditionally, technology uh, is uh, it was very complex, expensive, very much locked up in the large wirehouses. That's the only place you could really get 
uh, the kind of technology you needed to provide services and capabilities at the level that uh, you know uh, our kind of clients need. Um, but that's no longer the case. Um, you know, over the past ten years, uh, you know, sort of generally driven by the the sort of cloud infrastructure, but more so by just the the democratization of technology. You know, there are so many independent providers out there now that provide solutions that are really, frankly, more flexible and better than sort of the old systems that you you, you see in large institutions. Mm-hmm. And and those large institutions are really hamstrung by that, frankly, mm-hmm. because technology becomes. Uh, you know, kind of an end to itself, and it's built down to a lowest common denominator. So what we're able to do in the independent space and and, and what we're able to do very effectively at Dynasty um, is really go out into the marketplace and pick the very best technologies. Everything's cloud-based. People don't have to worry about servers and infrastructure and, you know, all the ins and outs and patching and all the very expensive and complex things uh, that have to happen with running an effective technology because that now basically all exists in the cloud and you can basically rent and lease all that capability and the functionality uh, that people have built, you know, across reporting platforms, investment tools, CRMs. There's a lot out there, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of great capabilities, and you can be very flexible uh, in terms of picking those things and building a platform that really is optimized um, for your business and, and making your business uh, work the way you need it to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so lots to get into in, in this discussion. Let's bring Brian Schulte into the conversation. Brian, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, please start by just talking a little bit about yourself, Geller Advisors, and the work you do there. Thank you, Gordon. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Geller Advisors is a multifamily office that provides a variety of services for high net worth people. Um, Our services include tax planning and preparation, CFO services, of course, investment advisory, real estate services, and even aviation services. Um, I'm responsible for the, the technology that underpins our major service lines, and that tends to be the tax, CFO services, and investment advisory services. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons we really wanted you part of this podcast is because Geller made a real conscious decision um, a few years ago to really devote an awful lot of time and resources to um, their technology infrastructure and, uh, and bringing about you know some, some really interesting new initiatives within the organization. Can you just talk about what drove that decision within Geller and what were some of the issues that you guys faced? It started with our investment advisory business, actually. Our leadership had been monitoring some problems that had been growing, um, three of them really, lack of flexibility around our client reporting, very limited next to no analytical capability out of our portfolio accounting system, and probably as a result of those two, a real difficult um, situation about scaling our business and scaling for more clients. So that was our focus, but we also knew lower on the priority list that we had a CRM that we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. But going into the um, exercise, we realized that that was going to be a lower priority. Mm. We had several options, and they ranged from starting on and working off of and extending our existing technology, call that option one, all the way to uh, a transformational exercise of embarking on something very, very new, call that option two. And our conservative culture drove us to really take a good hard look at option one. And Mm -hmm. we found out very quickly, we produced a business case um, that showed us that to get very, very limited first wave improvement, 
uh, in like six to eight months was going to be really expensive, mm-hmm. intrusive to the business, mm-hmm. and it was really only going to bring some stabilization in the way that we're, the way we produce reports. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a real awakening for the business. At that point, we kind of stopped and said, well, wait a minute. Um, we, we should really seriously think about something more transformative. And at that point, uh, we went out and started to look at um, what portfolio – uh, investment portfolio systems were out there in the, in, mm-hmm. the, in the world, and we we worked our way to a um, kind of a short list. Uh, and I repeat, we're still thinking about our advisory. Yeah, um, and it was at that point that several of our advisors who had been uh, had known about Dynasty Financial Partners uh, introduced us. And uh, interestingly, they said, "Look, you know, we're talking about our uh, upgrading our investment reporting." Mm-hmm. Dynasty, yeah, they have seven pillars, but look at take a look at their technology pillar. Mm-hmm. So we did, and that began, as I think you will remember, mm-hmm. a long mm-hmm. due diligence process. And um, we were uh, very, very much um, engaged in the exercise of, of, of vetting out Dynasty. But what was really, um, I think, very fortunate for us was that the short list of the Providers for the investment reporting system overlap with the short list that Dynasty had in their platform. Yeah, and we selected one out of par, um, and we selected it for for several reasons, um, but mostly because it was uh, newer and more modern technology, and we know we knew we were moving off of an older uh, version of our reporting system, mm-hmm. and we wanted to just make the leap and become transformational. Mm-hmm. And then I'll I'll. Stop this story at the point where, um, with the happy news that we had put our CRM back back on the bur- on the back burner yeah. until we were able to engage with Dynasty. Yeah, and Dynasty had basically done the selection for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Dynasty CRM is a Salesforce based CRM, and it's um, already geared towards RIAs, mm-hmm. and that allowed us to really expedite this overall process. Yeah, and. I think I think what's really interesting about uh, Geller Advisors and what, what what you guys are building there is that you you've managed to and and was actually a relatively short amount of time really change an awful lot of uh, operations and workflows within within your organisation. Looking back now, you know you kind of started this whole project. We'd say like eighteen months ago. Um, what what do you wish somebody had told you then? That, that, you know, looking back now. Well, it turns out that we had a lot of time to plan, and I think you might remember that. And in actuality, there there weren't really a lot of surprises where I would wish somebody would have told me about something I didn't know. Embarrassingly, they were. I wish somebody would have reminded me about things I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the example that comes to mind are, are outbound interfaces. When we um, uh, are... Our legacy investment reporting system didn't have any automated outbound interfaces mm-hmm. or inbound inf- interfaces. It had manual Excel-based. And we low-keyed that. And what we learned when we, when, as we went live that you know, some of the downstream people had expectations in, in real rigorous formats, and we could have spent a little bit more time doing mm-hmm. that. Now, we got them done. Um, but we could have done without some fire drills. So it was things like that. It was things like, yeah, we should have known that more mm-hmm. than more than okay. big surprises. Yeah, I, I, you know, I want to make a couple comments here. I mean, sure. I think one, uh, you know, the, the the time frame in which the, the this work got done, I think is, is pretty impressive. I mean, and, and again, I'm 
speaking objectively here, not just as a CTO of Dynasty. I mean, we really got two major platforms, uh, you know, which were transformational uh, mm-hmm. uh, changes for for the Geller organization done um, in, and when I say we, you know, both organizations in, I think, you know, very, very quick time frame in the grand scheme of things, right? I mean, typically these things can drag on forever, as, as we all know. Um, and also, Brian had you, you. You had sort of a hard deadline with 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 your previous system in terms of having to renew and everything like that. And that was a, you know, and then you were able to to achieve that. Um, but you know, so so here the advertisement part of this is going to be that I think you know what 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 was great about the relationship and why I think it works worked and works so well is is that you know we were able to just bring a lot of experience and uh, to the table. Uh, and help sort of navigate some of those kind of gotcha things, mm-hmm. particularly on the CRM. And, you know, we sort of started at a, a, you know, halfway up the stairway as opposed to at the bottom looking up going, oh, boy, that's our ladder, you know, oh, boy, that's yeah. a big climb. Um, so anyway, that's, you know, that's the, the, the power, I think, of kind of bringing together the, 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 what Dynasty brings to the table, which is experience. You know, well, it's interesting that you say that because you might remember that when, when you first – Dynasty first laid out the project plans and, and showed that the CRM implementation, conversion and implementation mm-hmm. would run concurrently with our historical um, investment reporting. I, I said, no way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. right. And I had to be, you know, kind of brought brought in and, and explain, no, 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 we can do this. And sure enough, they were done simultaneously. And we wouldn't, look, we knew that and we were, and it ended up being the, the reality that there was a ton of work that we had to do for, by ourselves, yeah. for ourselves around the around investment reporting, converting yeah. to par. But we really, really benefited from the fact that that CRM came, call it prepackaged. Yeah. It was still a conversion and it's still a project, but it was it was done simultaneously. And it also, I think one of the things I noticed is it allowed you guys to focus on some of the, the, the more interesting parts of, 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 you know, CRM is great as a Rolodex, wonderful, right? But what it really can be, and particularly, you know, we're, we're firm believers that Salesforce is a great platform for this. Uh, you know, it really is a business enablement tool, an automation tool. And mm-hmm. I think us kind of bringing the, the bread and butter part of it together so you didn't have to worry about how do we move this field to here and what mm-hmm. should we call this. Mm-hmm. You know, we spent a bunch of time talking about some of the more interesting things like how are we going to use this to transform the, you know, the, the whole billing matters issue as a discussion point. Yeah. There's a whole example of those things. So we were able to help let you guys, you know, kind of focus on those more interesting issues, uh, which, again, another part of why this, I think, was, has been a great relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other interesting th- thing about Geller Advisors is you, you 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 guys have are working in several different areas, as you mentioned, everything from you know uh, essentially uh, CFO services to aviation management, everything like that. So there's multiple different parties at the table and uh, multiple different kind of decision makers and people with the, you know their own own thoughts and concerns. What was that like in terms of the internal process as you were starting out on this uh, project? You know. Because again, I think an interesting thing about your role is you're you speak to all those different parties. So, what can you take us in inside the room there in terms of the, the discussions and the thoughts uh, from all the different parties? Well, yeah, there there in the beginning, I would say one of the major concerns that we had, and we discussed this with the steering committee leadership, was we are very different, or we felt we were very different because mm-hmm. of what you described than a lot of your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, we were not just an RIA. We have major tax mm-hmm. business and major CFO services business. So, hey, are we going to be able to be serviced and, and served um, in, in, to meet our needs? And uh, and we went in with that, and we also expressed that to Dynasty going in. Mm-hmm. So everybody was very, very aware of that And as we went in. And what's been interesting 
is I think there's been a learning on both sides. Um, on one hand, when you know Dynasty will come and and, and help us with some with some things or show us some uh, you know impart their experience with us, we're like, oh hey, we we're different, we're different, you know, yeah. we don't do it this way. And um, in some cases, we're finding not so different. And these are great things to, to you know, to take yeah. on yeah. and at least consider. And I think you guys have also learned uh, that we are different in some ways. And, yeah. it, and it's been, it's been, you know, it's been a back and forth. Okay. All right. So let's take a, a step back and look at the industry as a whole as a little bit. You know, Paul, from your experience, you know, take, well, and in, you know, uh, in quotation marks, the average RIA out there in the industry, what does the technology infrastructure of a firm like that look like right now? Well, you know, I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know necessarily if there is an average. <laughs> um, you know, we see a lot of variation. Um, you know, one of the nice things about Dynasty is, is you know, we both uh, deal with uh, firms launching from the ground up. And, you know, we've got a lot of experience in, in, in building and optimizing a platform from the ground up. Um, and then, you know, we have a lot of experience with existing RIAs or existing businesses similar to, mm -hmm. to, to, to Geller. And, you know, across that spectrum, particularly with existing teams, I mean, we see a lot of variation. I mean, you know, maybe the biggest theme is, is that people kind of get into a rut, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, they will have a set of technologies that they kind of fell into or picked or maybe they did a couple migrations or changed. Um, but, you know, often why, why, why we are speaking with these firms is because they realize their technology platform is is kind of, you know, at a plateau. They don't know how to move it forward. Uh, and, you know, they may have made some wrong decisions. I mean, that's one of the big problems with uh, technology is it's very easy to get into a roach motel. <laughs> uh, in other words, you pick a technology, it seems great, you get in there, and three years later, you know, your business has grown in terms of the size of your clients or the sophistication or your investment process or whatever, or all of the above. Uh, and you find your technology platform is starting to sort of feel the, the, the weight of that. And, mm. um you know, so again, what 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 do, I, what do we typically see? I mean, we typically see people, you know, sort of frustrated or, or, or complacent, you mm. know, and, and why can't we move this thing forward? I'm um, also, you know, the technology is difficult uh, and a lot from a lot of reasons, but, you know, a lot of uh, factors, but one of those is really adoption, you know, so people typically are, are really on, only unlocking a small piece of the of the capabilities that are there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so helping people, how do we get better adoption of this technology? I mean, CRM is a good example of that. Reporting systems are a good example of that. I mean, all of the tools, um, you know, the custodial platforms, how do we unlock the power of these things and start to really bring them together and connect them in ways um, that sort of unleash the power that's potentially, that's potentially there and really create a driver of operational efficiencies and creating better client outcomes and experiences. Well, well let, let's talk about that for a second then, Paul, and in particular CRM. You know, we, you and I have talked to many advisors in the industry who open question the idea of, or the validity of whether a CRM uh, system is important. What, what's your thoughts on that and why do you believe it's important to the, uh, to, to the culture of a wealth management firm? Yeah, I mean, we really view CRM as sort of one of the main uh, uh, pillars of technology that, that a successful RIA has to get right. Um, you know, all of us who have been in technology any amount of time, uh, you know, are very familiar with failed CRM implementations because the world is littered with them. It's very easy to, to, to have great ideas and, and, and have a failed implementation, uh, which generally is because of poor data, uh, which drives lack of adoption. Um, you know, which then just, you know, the system doesn't get used. 
So again, you know, we view CRM uh, as, a, as a core pillar. Why? Um, because, uh, you know, it is the place where you, relate, you, you manage your relationship with your client. Um, you need to know everything about your client uh, in that system, uh, you know, uh, sort of all that anecdotal information about them, their interests. Clearly need to know, uh, have a record of your ongoing relationship with them. From a co- compliance perspective, it's a, it's a critical piece. Uh, you know, when the SEC comes in and wants to know why are you doing this with a client, you want to be able to say, this is why. Here are my emails. Here's mm-hmm. all our phone conversations. So that's a critical component of it. Um, but, you know, again, when you have the right CRM platform, and again, there are many great CRM platforms out there. We, we particularly like Salesforce because Salesforce is, is so flexible and so malleable um, because it becomes a business automation tool. Um, and when you get to the, the kind of more uh, mature and advanced stages, you know, you can really use that to run the whole, that whole part of your business, how you relate with your clients, how you think about your clients, uh, what your client experience is. Um, planning your meetings with them. I mean, all, it just the workflows that go into it. I mean, it's just a sort of an unlimited world of, of how you can build automation. Uh, and really, ultimately, again, as I've said before, drive great client interactions and experiences uh, and um, drive operational efficiency in your organization. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, the advisors that Dynasty work with are entrepreneurs. They want to grow their businesses. They come to us because they're interested in, 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 in building something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not just a lifestyle business. And, you know, to do that effectively, you have to be able to drive operational efficiencies. You have to be able to double the size of your clients without double, doubling the size of your staff. Mm-hmm. And you have to constantly be finding better ways to create uh, client experiences. Uh, and again, CRM is, is, is the platform that that can happen with on. Correct. Paul, you know, you, you made a great point before about um, firms not necessarily having the most up-to-date technology. And Gordon and I do a lot of talking around this concept of antiquated technology becoming an obstacle to growth. And as we go in and work with a lot of RIAs, we see that they have what they believe is cutting technology circa 1995. Right. And when you talk to them about why they've not upgraded, why they've not changed, there's a lot of different excuses that you hear, but one of them being it is so overwhelming. The choices out there and how do you go through this process that Brian described before that Geller went through to really keep the technology up to date and to kind of be in the position to allow your firm to grow or to create the scale that Brian was talking about. So what advice would you give to RAs out there who have technology that might not necessarily be optimal, and how do they go through that process of determining whether they should be making changes and to determine which are the best routes and changes to go? Well, I mean, one of the general things that, that, that uh, y- y- you know, I always recommend and say is, is that, you know, you, you, you know as a leader of, a, of, a, of, of an RA, of an independent RA, you know, you have a lot of responsibilities. Uh, and for better or worse, one of those is your operating platform and your technology. Uh, and it's not necessarily easy to do, which is why it's great to have a partner like Dynasty. Uh, but um, in lieu of that or in conjunction with that, you know, you need to really think about your operating platform and you need to think about, uh, you know, what are we doing with this thing? Uh, you know, our, 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 you need to make sure you have someone who's a champion. It might be yourself. It could be uh, your chief operating officer or someone similar to that. It could be anyone. But you need to have somebody who's really the champion of your operating platform and of your technology and who is, you know, and you have to be engaged 
engaged and constantly ask, are we getting more out of this? Are we able to do this? What aren't we able to do? Why aren't we able to do this? Uh, and, and, and not take for granted the shortcomings or, or maybe even the capabilities. And, you know, you have to, it's an it's a evolving uh, 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 landscape. You also have to be out in the marketplace and understand what's going out there, going on out there uh, and talking to peers uh, and, 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 and others around what they're doing and understanding what, what the possibilities are. Um, and it's a lot to, to, to do and it's not ever necessarily in, in uh, the typical RIA's wheelhouse, but it is something you have to uh, – uh, pay attention to him. And I think, you know, Brian described before uh, when he was describing the, the Geller experience, I mean, it's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, there, there, there was a, a business driver that we want to grow. And what are the things we have to do for that? Well, we've got a market, you know, we've got to have great product, but we have to have a platform. And I think, you know, they, they, they were introspective and looked at it and said, you know, we need help here. We need to, we need to, to move forward on it. And um, it's, 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 again, not so easy to do, but you have to force yourself to do it in this day and age technology uh, is a critical part of running any RIA. And it's not, you know, again, it's not a static thing. I mean, you know, we were talking earlier before we started about AI and those things. I mean, there's just a lot of uh, technology that's coming that you have to pay attention to. Well, this is an open question for the whole group. You know, why do you think some firms don't make that decision? Why do you think some firms don't make that plunge to really keep on top of the technology side of things? What's driving that indecision uh, yeah. yeah well yeah i'm thinking inertia uh, mm-hmm. we you know we were in that position mm-hmm. uh, for a while uh, we had a little bit of a paralysis going and um it's it's difficult and and it's also daunting to think about you know what kind of undertaking you have to yeah. embark on um so it, it, what helped us was you know identifying a partner and and um in view, and having a partner that really became an accelerator because, um, you know, there were days when you would partner with to do some sort of development in your environment um, and even buying a hosted solution where, you know, once it's up and running and go and you're live, mm-hmm. you know, that, that integrator is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our case, what really helped us through this was kind of knowing that we would we were we were going to be ongoing an ongoing partnership with with dynasty so it wasn't going to yeah. end with the implementation and that's been the case um, but you know you had to sort of really stop and think and and imagine that kind of a scenario and and do walk through I mean we took our time we really took our time mm-hmm. to, to make our transformation mm-hmm. decision it's not that easy and I think inertia is a big part of it. yeah but I think you guys deserve an awful lot of credit for the fact that uh, in many cases, uh, uh, when you walk into a wealth management firm, the leadership of that wealth management firm has not has not been a you know has not had a professional management background. They've often become the CEO of a wealth management firm because they were probably the biggest rainmaker of, of that firm. And so, when it comes to technology decisions, um, they per they they essentially offload those decisions to other people. And in many cases, it's it's almost like turkeys voting for Thanksgiving. You you know, if they're if they're thinking about, you know, we've got this technology, we're using a particular software, we're not very happy with it. Who do they go to to ask on what they should replace that with? They go to the person in their company who heads up that software. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's an awful lot of of that at play within the industry. Well, I also yeah, think, I mean, Gordon, that that when you think about your technology where you're at today. And the potential to move to a new technology to replace the old, number one, 
there's a cost associated with mm-hmm. it. And number two, there's a conversion process, mm-hmm. um, as Brian was talking about Which before. Which can be disruptive. Be, can be disruptive, can be intimidating. But I think what RIAs have to think about, and I think your point is well taken, is that the now CEO of the firm was the advisor and the top advisor, and they have to now think about their business from a CEO perspective, is that conversion process, that cost that might be associated with it, has to be viewed as an investment not only of dollars but of time because, as Brian said, it creates an organization that is scalable and now able to grow to that next level. Mm-hmm. So it's a mindset also on how you have to look at it. Yeah, it definitely is, uh, is having that, that mindset. I mean, change is, change is, change is difficult. And, again, I don't, I don't want to just be an advertisement for Dynasty, but, I, but one of the phenomena that I see with having Dynasty at the table with, in, in an RIA business is, you know, we push a lot. I mean, and, you know, we're, 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 we live and breathe this every single day, and, you know, we're pretty passionate about it across all of our uh, the, the mm-hmm. Dynasty pillars. Um, so, you know, I mean, Brian will attest to this. I mean, you know, there are uh, many circumstances, I think, where we're, we're way out ahead and we're pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, sometimes it's like, look, you guys got to slow down or well, that's not appropriate. You know, come on, <laughs> relax, you know. But, but you know, we're, we're having a partner who, who really wants to move things forward and sees that, what the, how those outcomes can be, you know, one, done effectively with the least amount of disruption and pain, but also what it can, the change that it can drive. It's really invaluable to have a partner like that. And I'm thinking of uh, two examples um, in, in the Dynasty Network with some of our older teams uh, who uh, came to Dynasty um, many, many years ago before we really had our, 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 our um, CRM solution uh, kind of formed the way we do now. So they had their own platforms. Uh, and one of them has converted onto our platform with with with, with huge you know you know incredible <laughs> benefits, uh, and we have another one who who sees the power of it. Uh, and again, inertia is slowing him down, but his he's got a um, a game plan around growing his business, and he knows he has to change what what's actually a really good system. It works for their business as it is now, but to get to the next level uh, and to bring more advisors into business, he's going to need a new platform. Mm. And you know, if he wasn't a partner with Dynasty, he wouldn't have that experience. Exposure. He might kind of intellectually know it, but he, you know, we, he, we're engaged with him, and here's the benefits, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it's that's very invaluable, I think. Okay, all right. So I, I want we've talked a little bit about adoption up until now, and and Brian, you know, I think this is, this podcast is well timed, and the fact that you guys are are right in the middle of of that kind of adoption phase right now, you know, you've gone through the transitions, the the new technology has been deployed. What are some of the things that Gail are doing to kind of just drive that? adoption of the new systems? So for us, we are faced with adoption um, in both the investment reporting solution and the CRM solution. On the investment reporting side, it's, it's, a, it's been a bit of a magnet. We were very, very um, archaic in a way we were be, being able to get data to our advisors and ultimately to our clients. And we've gone from you know, situations where somebody would ask for a report and it would take days to people having a view on their desk, um, and you know the the other ed, you know the other edge of the sword on th- on that one is, uh, you know these same people that used to wait three days for a report. Or I see in my office at nine o'clock in the morning, <laughs> asking me about something they're seeing on their screen. <laughs> so that's working working well, and that's almost you know, not quite, but it's a bit of you know we built it and they're coming. Um, CRM, as Paul talked about, is always a challenge, and we were going through a effort to improve our CRM adoption prior to even making the conversion mm. to, to the Dynasty CRM. 
and um, what and usually and we were probably using more of the stick in the famous carrot stick uh, metaphor. And what we were able to do with with the with Salesforce is that became a bit of a carrot, and it's helped. Um, it would still work, mm-hmm. um, but it's the adoption is starting to happen now. Look, we're just we're live five months or four months, sure. now, really, so it's early days. Um, but we are seeing it, and it's slow and steady. Um, and the and, the and and to what Paul was saying before. We, we have a partner in you guys because, you know, you'll help us and you'll run r- reports for us and show mm-hmm. us, you know, usage reports and give us tips about how you've seen other companies deal with adoption. And we're seeing it. Um, if you just use an example of our operations, uh, investment operations group, um, we do quarterly reporting, but also we do things on a monthly basis. And that those tasks that are, are that we have been doing are now managed out of, out of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. They're signed and, mm-hmm. and, and that's... Now the culture is where our operations team didn't look at the CRM when they got came in in the morning. Now they're starting to look at the yeah. CRM. Yeah. So, but we have a way to go. Sure, sure. And, and just we have one other thing about adoption, and Paul alluded to it before. It's really all about the data, mm. and and also it's about really looking at this from a data centric point of view. And the data that is in there's data overlapping data between your CRM and your and your advisor mm-hmm. your uh, portfolio accounting system, and you got to manage that. You got to manage and, and, and govern that, and you got to get people um, engaged in in the cleanup and then in the ongoing process of managing that. Mm. It's a big, big thing for adoption. Paul, what what else can a firm do to kind of help drive that kind of adoption curve? <laughs> well, I mean, there there, there there's a lot. Uh, you know, again, we've done many CRM. Um, implementations and, you know, there certainly are, are, are a lot of common themes and, and things that we found that can be really effective. I mean, the, the data quality is number one. That always is our first focus, that we make sure um, that CRM becomes a single source of truth. Um, so that's can, one. Can you, can you explain what that means for some people? That's a sure. In other term. words, if, if, if you want to know a client's birthday, you look the client up in CRM. If you want to know... As opposed to... Uh, as opposed to a file somewhere or your yeah. contacts in Outlook or a, a, a pad of paper you might have. You know, people do all kinds of crazy things, right? But no, this is the birthday. If you want to find the, the advisory agreement, mm-hmm. you go to CRM. There it is. It's not in a file over here. It's not, uh, you know... Well, wherever you keep it, right? It's mm-hmm. in CRM. Mm-hmm. I mean, but if you want total AUM, you're in your, you're 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 in your your um, investment reporting system, investment reporting yeah. system and that's exactly. the source of truth. Yeah. Exactly right. So 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 you know you know drawing those lines is an important thing, and 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 making sure that the organization understands uh, where those sources of truth are, uh, and making them uh, then obviously easy to get to and and, and access. So. You know, uh, particularly with advisors, uh, you know, we find um, uh, implementing um, the Salesforce One uh, mobile app um, is is a real nice uh, uh, yeah. sort of carrot for people because advisors can, you know, go to a lunch and on the drive back home, but back to the office, you know, dictate into the into uh, into their phone notes, mm. right, and then that immediately um, becomes part of the record for the client in Salesforce. Uh, so that's another um, big adoption thing. Customization is really uh, another one, right? Uh, every uh, uh, firm is different. And, and you know, again, uh, we see this in the Dynasty Network. I mean, every culture is very unique, you know. So the, one of the aspects of the Dynasty platform is it, it's not set it and forget it. It's not stamp out the, the, the solution, right? We spend a lot of time. 
um, with each team in terms of customizing their platforms, uh, and I mean all their platforms, uh, not just CRM, but CRM, investment management, their planning, uh, and really making sure that it matches the culture and um, uh, the needs of how they want to operate and that they mesh together in, a, in, a, in an operationally efficient way. So that's another big adoption thing, making, you know, making it customized so that it meets your way of work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, training, ongoing training, you know, again, we do all different levels of training. I mean, Brian will, will, will attest to this. I mean, we've had uh, at, at Geller, uh, we've had many, many uh, office hours um, where, uh, you know, we will have our CRM person uh, of the day uh, go around and just talk to people and say, how's it going? You know, oh, I didn't know you could do it this way. Oh, that's so easy. Great. Wonderful. You know, so so getting people over, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, those tricks and tips and hearing what their what their frustrations are and addressing them or putting them into, um, you know, our famous uh, <laughs> bucket list of, not bucket mm-hmm. list, what's the right term, our, our, our big list of, of potential enhancements, the you know, so... What's that? The wish list. Well, uh, I don't know. I have all different words for it. But anyway, you know, they're, uh, you know, being engaged with the users and listening to them and helping them on an ongoing basis and not just in formal training classes, although that's important too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having multiple uh, training and ongoing training. And, and again, I, I, you know, we don't ever do set it and forget it. You know, we have a, uh, you know, a multi-year life cycle um, that a framework that we um, uh, put teams through with our platforms because it, the, the the platforms have to evolve as teams mature with the technology, as their business mm-hmm. matures, as their business grows, as their business changes, um, you know, as they bring in new advisors and new types of clients and things mm-hmm. like that. It's always, it's, it's, it's a constant evolution. And so, um, you know, uh, th- having the platforms evolve uh, with your business is, is an important part of adoption. One quick thing that we've done, uh, we, in fact, we had a meeting yesterday of the um, the CRM uh, Prioritization Committee, uh, and we've taken uh, people, key people from our different service areas, tax, uh, CFO, and, and investments, and they are actively involved in determining what the um, priorities are mm-hmm. and, and watching them and managing them as we, as we go f- forward, keeping an eye on them as we go forward. And, and, and we have, in that, as part of that group, from your organization, you know, Ryan, who's mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. Um, our who's associated with us, and so that's really really helpful too because she sees it and, and she's right there. So as things come up and we're discussing, um, you know, we can deal with it right away. Yeah, and I, that's really useful, particularly in larger organizations that we've found because often you know we we get once our systems initially deployed, there's a there's often. Uh, and you want there to be a long list of, of potential enhancements going forward, and it's important to rank those. And I think that's something you guys have done well. You know, let's let's do let's put to the top of the list of things that can really help drive adoption and uh, and really make the client experience better. Paul and Brian, you guys earlier in your your own ways touched on this concept of integration. And you know, Paul, you and I have been in this industry for a long time, as as Brian has. And if we look back ten years or so. Integration wasn't even really capable uh, or a capability that, uh, that existed. And now you've got Salesforce, you've got reporting platforms, you've got um, financial planning platforms. If you guys could talk a little bit about the importance of integration, where we've come to from this point, how it fits, you know, Brian, inside of Geller, and a little bit about where you think it might be going uh, and the value of it would be, would be great. Uh, 
I mean, listen, <laughs> integration is critical. I mean, it's kind of even back to the concept Brian said about kind of where where are the, where are the sources of truth of system. Where do you go for 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 information? But also, how do you get that information to move between between the systems? I mean, it's just it's very important in terms of creating a, a consolidated whole. You know, again, traditionally, back to my kind of very earlier point. Um, you know, in in large banks, you know, you could kind of you know you had the control of everything uh, and integrating things was 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 sort of easier uh, and, and when you move out to today where you've got you know all these cloud-based systems getting them to speak together and getting data to move around um, is, is, is 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 vastly better than it used to be uh, but it's still a challenge um, you know so in terms of where it's going uh, you know it's a frustration in, in the financial services space that it's it's there isn't a common language. Um, you know, some other industries have that. If you think about manufacturing, the way they exchange information between a CAD program and, a, you know, they can send it off to China and then the part comes back and it's like there's no question of how that integration happens, right? So financial services, unfortunately, is not there yet. I think there's the, we're, we're going to be seeing more and more of that, uh, more standardization um, because, you know, we need to get to a place where these platforms are really Lego bricks and they can be put together. Um, but we're not quite there yet. And in lieu of that, um, you know, we are, we, we, we you know, we're we're always in a, in a in an effort to build smart integrations. I mean, again, at Dynasty, we've done a lot of proprietary things. We've done a lot, and we've worked with partners to connect things together in really intelligent ways. And I think you know we've been pretty successful at that. Um, you know, and then we you know obviously the tool part of the tool selection that we do also is around what is possible uh, uh, with with integration. Adapar as a as a as a reporting platform is is very extensible and very it's very easy to integrate. Uh, and pull data in and push data into Adapar. Uh, same thing with CRM. So, you know, these tools, not only do they have kind of great functionality for users and capabilities, but they also behind the scenes are, are sort of forward-thinking technologies that allow us to, to kind of move data in intelligent ways. Uh, but unfortunately, that still is a little bit in the domain of sort of the tech wizards. <laughs> uh, so we're not uh, kind of plug and play quite yet. But I think to answer the question about where we're going, I think, you know, that is going to be something that we're going to see more and more of over the next five years. But that was important, Brian, to Geller from the establishment of the platform as it exists today and going forward. Yeah, with with the Dynasty Technology Platform, it comes with a, a level of integration that, that's, say, called automatic. <clears throat> Um, and that's helpful because because of the proprietary nature of it. Um, but there's more. And and Paul really hit the nail on the head when you know he described where the problem lies. The problem lies in data definitions consistency, and there is none. Right. And and people lose sight of that. Um, they you know, often when you talk to software vendors, they say, Oh yeah, yeah, we're open. We have an open API. It means nothing. <laughs> Absolutely means nothing. Right. If your data looks like this, their data looks like that. You have a mapping exercise that you have to go through, and that's not magic. So we have, we're off to a good start with the, with the platform, but now we have to get a little bit more just old-fashioned about it. And one of the things I, I contend that we do is we build my, – my theory is build robust business processes that handle the integration manually and live with them for a little while and tune them. And that – is your design phase. Mm. <laughs> because otherwise, if you go in and say, I'm going to build an integration, you, you know, you're going to spin your wheels for a long time. And so I try to make sure people understand, you want to talk to me about integration, let's do, let's show me how, you, how we do it manually for six months. But for the end client, we're starting to see integration now have an impact in client portals. Yeah. Ah, Pulling sure. in reporting data, 
document vaults. If you guys could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because I haven't said anything about one of the big reasons why we drove um, towards our transformation, and that was being able to get our the client the client information in the hands of the client in a self-service way. That integration happens by by default of being on the Dynasty Technology Platform. Um, we are about to complete the the mobile solution that's associated with the data that comes out of Adapar, and we're going to be able to roll it out to our clients in, in, in short order. Um, that's very exciting, um, and a big reason why we wanted to transform. Uh, we looked at the demographic of our future market. It's going to be um, people that are, have, have technology uh, proficiency. They're going to want that. Um, Another one is within just an out-of-par portal, so where, where we could actually, for those certain clients that are ready, willing, able to want to go on their computer screen, they could be looking at a prepackaged view that our advisor on our end is looking at, too, and having a conversation. This is tremendous. Um, it didn't exist before, but we have to be very careful. We have to walk before we run with that because we're very much a, um, a white-glove organization, and we have to see... Um, we have to do this client by client, but we also don't want to overcomplicate our administration around this by client mm -hmm. by client. So it's an exciting time for us coming up. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I would just add to to, to this that um, you know, the, it, 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 you know, this kind, you know, integration for end clients, I think, is a challenge, and a lot of people are trying to solve for it. Um, you know, I, you know, we live in a world now where you know you can get kind of whatever information you want uh, in the way you want it very quickly. Google, for example, <laughs> right? So, uh, and and that's the expectation. And financial services, again, uh, you know, for better or worse, is a little bit behind the eight ball on that. I mean, it's just the, the 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 legacy and the complexity of all of these systems, the lack of standards, the lack of a common language, um, really is a, a impediment um, to to getting to creating end client experiences that in our personal lives we come to expect. <laughs> so, uh, I, and I don't, honestly, we, I don't have the answer of what that is. Um, and I know a lot of people are working on it furiously. We're thinking very hard about it uh, at, at, at Dynasty. We've got a ways to go, though. But, you know, we need to, we need to, it's, it's, it's a very important area because people, uh, there's going to be disruption uh, and, 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 and people are going to expect, uh, you know, really seamless, integra uh, seamless experiences and interactions with, 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 with their clients. Um, you know, I, I don't mean we're going to be all talking to robots to find out what our account balance is and to tell them what our, uh, our, our risk tolerance is because I think this is a person business and a relationship business and that's not going to go away. But people are going to want to be able to ask a question and get an answer immediately on their phone and very seamlessly. And today it's still a little, you know, kind of clunky. So we are crawl, walk, running here uh, uh, and we have a ways to go. Yeah, but Brian brings up a great point. Statistically, about $18 trillion is going to transfer in wealth from the baby boomers and the older generation to the millennials and the Gen Ys and whatever Gen we're up to right now. And they have a certain expectation in their other parts of their lives about access to information mm. and the like. And I think we've lagged that yeah. a, a little bit. And uh, I think it's something we need to be focusing on. Definitely. Yeah, and in a way, it all leads back to customer service as well, and client service. Because if you look, if you follow that, if you follow that chart of when technology disrupted an industry, to, what we've seen in multiple industries is that the the industry bifurcates and it goes in two separate directions. At one end of the spectrum, you have the low cost, low service 
end of the spectrum where you know you go uh, you're going to have your robo advisors and there's going to be people who like that and that does exactly what they need at at the other end of the spectrum it's the very high touch high level of service white glove service that firms like geller advisors provide everybody in the middle who's providing an uh, uh, we'll call it a a middle of the road service and the cost is somewhere middle in the road they're in my opinion, they're in trouble, and 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 firms have to kind of make a decision in which direction they're going in. Yeah, agree. I want to make sure we spend spend some time talking about cybersecurity because as we go around the country, you know, speaking with with financial advisors and the leadership of financial uh, financial advising firms, that's definitely a concern nowadays. And 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 Brian, I'd actually like to start with you because Geller Advisors, you know, uh, your your average client is definitely larger than uh, perhaps the, uh, the the average client size for the industry. And, and you guys have, through an awful lot of hard work, have, have built a client book that in, contains some public figures. And so cybersecurity, you know, it's important for every single firm, but <laughs> I, I think definitely the stakes are an awful lot more high profile for, for, for Geller. You know, how does, how does Geller Advisors think about cybersecurity and what, what are you guys doing in that world? Well, yeah, as you suggest, it's uh, obviously a very, very important uh, thing for us. Uh, our, our clients' privacy has always been paramount, and, and the world's been changing fast. And what Geller has made sure they've done is they've really got out in front of, of, of the cybersecurity uh, world and, and ramped up in that space. And, and it's at, we're at a point because, you know, multifamily office, you really have to be Vigilant. We're seeing that we're, you know, we're we're out there, and we're, and I would say we're even like a leader. I mean, what do you what you see with our organization is not only is our chief information officer on the leadership committee, mm. um, our 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 chief security officer, our CISO, is is hanging out there a lot too. Well, you have a chief security officer, <laughs> absolutely, yes. yes, and 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 that person is always present and is on some of the key committees, and um, that I think is where you start. You know, mm. and it starts with the culture, and our culture already had that behind that. So, for us, then it gets it's it's sophisticated because we do because we're big and we're, we've been around. We have an on on premise uh, set of solutions, so we mm-hmm. have to be dealing with the, the all the um, you know infosec things that are related to on premise. You know, whether it's prevention or it's or it's auditing uh, or it's detection. Um, we we also have we drive the culture. And you know you hear more and more now publicly about how it's the it's the people and the users and the and the social engineering challenges that we have could be the could be your weakest link and we're all over that. I mean we have annual training that and, and refresh and refresh refreshing training mm-hmm. to all our people and Geller advisors. We train them on what to do when they see email emails mm-hmm. um, that, are, that look strange. We even throw emails at them that look strange from time oh, to time. Oh wow. Um, so, so that's we don't mess around with that. And then the other half, as the world moves towards towards hosted <clears throat> services, you got to be able to be vigilant about that. And it's another it's another um, another animal. What mm. we end up doing, you know, you're, you're you're you hear a lot. Well, you know, these companies are in business, so they have great security. You're, you know, they invested a lot. Yeah, they do. But the, you're also delegating your responsibility and 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 risk to them. Mm-hmm. And we take that very seriously and we have a, a robust what we call third party assessment program uh, not only do we do the assessment in when we bring on a third party but we also have an annual recertification exercise too so that's very important for us mm. as well mm. paul 
Yeah, cybersecurity is paramount. Uh, you know, I think everything that Brian um, just described that they do are, are absolute best practices, and Geller happens to do it particularly well and has the resources uh, to, 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 to do a phenomenal job. I think for the, for the kind of more average independent RIA, uh, you know, cybersecurity number, first and foremost, is something you have to think about, <laughs> you know, period. Uh, because it's a it's a it's a it is a threat to your business. Um, you know, loss of data uh, is going to is going to translate. Um, you know, forget about you know regulatory and and, and potential uh, uh, legal risk. Uh, just reputational risk can destroy your business. So it's something that has to be thought about. Um, and again, it's hard to do. You don't have necessarily the resources of a, of a chief information security officer and a security team and all those sort of things. Uh, again, a partner like Dynasty is very helpful. Uh, but some of the main things you really have to think about uh, are, one, it starts with having very strong uh, policies and procedures, defining what you say you're going to do uh, and having that formalized. Uh, and then from there, am I doing those things? You know, and am I, is my partner doing those things? Um, you know, regulators are going to come in and they're going to ask those questions. You know, how, how, where is your client data? How are you keeping it secure? Um, you know, uh, doing um, vendor uh, due diligence is a really important thing. As uh, Brian uh, at Geller, uh, they do that uh, on a regular annual basis. Uh, Dynasty, we also do that on all the partners we work with. And we actually, as part of the services to our clients, we make that available for them to integrate into their vendor management program. Uh, you know, employee awareness and training is a something has to happen and it should be part of your, uh, you know, your annual, uh, at the very least, your annual meeting with your clients on uh, compliance issues. Um, and, you know, you need to be vigilant with your vendors. You need to know who, you know, where is my data? You need to really understand that. You need to know where am I storing data locally? You need to work with whoever's doing your, your local technology. Make sure they're explaining to you where, their da- where your data, where, where your data is, where your client data is, where is it being backed up to. Uh, BCP, uh, you know, business continuity planning and disaster recovery is also uh, a, a, an important part of this as well. Uh, regulators want to see that you have a plan in place, uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a component of having good, solid infrastructure and security. Um, so you have to have that sort of dialed in. So all of these things are are, are, are really critical. I mean, the good news is that um, you know the vendors and the partners out there, uh, the the business relies on this. So you know. Those Black Diamond or Adapar or Fidelity or Salesforce, um, you know, they're doing a very good job at this, but you cannot rely on the idea that they're doing mm-hmm. a good job. You have to be able to demonstrate that you've asked the questions, that you've, you've done diligence on them. Um, but it's just, uh, you can't say enough uh, how important it is mm-hmm. to be focused mm-hmm. on this. Okay. So I want to kind of bring things to a close here. And I suppose my final question, I guess, is for the the table, for the room rather, is, you know, where do we think, where do we think this is going in terms of the future? We've talked a little bit about where we think things are going, but if we take a step forward, like five, 10 years, what does uh, an, an optimal wealth management firm look like? in the future, particularly regarding technology? Uh, and, and what advice would you give to a firm to make sure that they make that leap? I think, you know, technology is 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 critical for the future. Um, you have to be focused on it. You have to be thinking about it. It is the thing that is going to enable your firm. Um, you know, Ed will tell us that, you know, the trend is towards larger and larger, right? There's going to be consolidation in the independent space. Um, you know, having uh, some kind of critical mass of assets under management um, is, is what is going to have to happen with every independent advisor. Uh, in order to be able to do 
that and re, re, you know keep a good ROA and you know have good operating margins, you're going to have to use technology to 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 enable it. That's one. Two, your client experience is going to be more and more dependent on the quality of your 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 um, technology. We've discussed before that client expectation, particularly with younger people, are I want to have a, a, a digital interaction with you. So uh, positioning yourself to 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 know how you're going to do that. Um, And integration would be the last piece, you know, having an operating platform where you can have a, a, a accurate, comprehensive, and easy-to-use picture of your relationship mm -hmm. of, with your clients, um, of your investments, uh, and how you're investing your clients' assets uh, is, is would be the last piece. Yeah, and I think you raised the point, Paul, of this concept of tech-enable, and I want to take it one step further. I think tech-enable is great. I think the future's got to be tech-empowerment. Right and and becoming tech empowered, the uh, the real point I think for the RIAs out there that are listening as it relates to technology is the need, the requirement, and the ability to continue to remain relevant to not only their clients today but the clients that they're going to have uh, in the future. As I said, we've got this huge transition of wealth that's going to be occurring, and we know the millennials and the Gen Ys want their information when they want it, how they want it, and in the form that they want it. Mm. So technology is going to deliver that. And the other component that I'll touch on, and both Paul and Brian uh, touched upon this a little bit earlier, is data. Data is key. If we look at the tech giants that we admire, or in some cases fear today, whether it be the Googles or the Amazons or the like, their business model is driven by the data that they gather. And it helps them make decisions in the future, right, of where their business is going. So an RIA to remain relevant and to be able to position themselves to be those larger RIAs as there's a consolidation in the industry, access to data, the integration of that data and the use of that data is going to be really important. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. We hope the, this has been a useful conversation for everyone. I, I, it was definitely very enjoyable uh, from my end. So a big massive thank you to Ed Friedman, uh, Paul Metzger from Dynasty, and also Brian Schulte from Geller Advisors. If you're looking to learn more about Geller Advisors, you can uh, see them at gelleradvisors.com. Uh, at Dynasty, it's dynastyfinancialpartners.com, and you can also follow us on, on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. But thank you, everyone, for listening in, and I'm sure we'll be be speaking to you again very soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I want to thank our guests for the great comments and insight, and I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. I hope you find it entertaining, informative, and helpful. If you have any comments, questions, or would like to connect with Dynasty or any of our guests, please feel free to contact us at podcasts at dynastyfp.com. That's podcasts at dynasty, F for Frank, P for Peter.com. We look forward to you joining us on our next podcast. Until then, remember, at Dynasty, we get to live our American dream by empowering others to live theirs.